Kiora Vainantier from Family Life, and welcome to the Family Life New Zealand podcast. With me in studio again, Nikki Bray. Good morning, everyone. And Steve Hooper. Kiora. Yes, it's great to be back again, recording another episode because we believe when people develop effective relationship skills, their relationships flourish. The topic on the table for today is communication. That's a big one. I was thinking of a joke before, a Kiwi, a South African and an Englishman. (laughs) English woman. English woman uh, walk into a room and they try to communicate. (laughs) What did you say? Yeah, it's it's funny how... um, you know, communication is often, well, it often coincides with differences. Mm. And uh, communication often has a lot of uh, misinterpretations and misinterpreted messages. So I've got an idea. Actually, just to start, uh, we're going to do a bit of a game. Oh, dear. Did you know about this, Steve? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm going to throw out a word and then... We're going to go around the table and you tell me what that associates with, what okay. comes up for you. Okay. okay. We so played this with our kids when they were young. This ah, is good. That's good. Mm-hmm. So thinking on your feet. Yep. Do we need some music? Sure. Drum roll. Okay. And we'll go me, Steve, Nikki. Okay. okay. All right. We'll just go around and uh, I'll start with communication. Talking. Listening. Confusion. <laughs> <laughs> Fuzzy. Oh, um, teddy bear. Baby. <laughs> uh, nappy. <laughs> Dirty. Oh, chores. Work. Communication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, full circle. Yeah, there we go. Was well, that supposed um, to happen? I think that's enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we couldn't we, have we, done we, that we, better. We, we tried. We'll, we'll stop there. <laughs> uh, it's funny how, how quickly that escalated from communication to a dirty nappy. <laughs> <laughs> You're there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think I think this just goes to show that, you know, communication is, is this unique, I almost want to say creative thing. There's no set way of doing it. I think there's some tools you can use to improve your communication. But good communication coincides with, I guess, having two participants or more. Um, uh, This is an illustration that uh, years back made a lot of sense to me when thinking about communication. And that's this whole idea of having a projector and a screen when you communicate. Have you you guys heard of that? Tell Mm, us more. No. So the, the idea is that when you, when you think about, and maybe before we had uh, digital cinemas, the cinema would always have a projector, a big light with the, the, the film reel at the back of the room and the screen, which would be a canvas in the mm. front of the room. And in order for you to actually see the film, you'd have the projector projecting the image, shining the light onto the screen and the screen would then reflect the light. So... Just this idea, and if you want to draw it to communication, basically means uh, in communication you always need two parties if you want a story to be conveyed. So if you've got a projector but no screen, then it'll just be a light shining into the abyss Mm. without any stories. If you've got two screens with no projector, well, (laughs) that will just be blank white space. Mm. But there's something magical that happens when you have the right ingredients so a projector sending good images, clear messages, and that's the sort of building block of good conversation, and then a screen reflecting 
And reflecting in this context would be actively listening to what is being said and not trying to project your own message, mm. but actually being there to serve and to help um, the other party, I guess, to somewhat understand what they're saying. The, the reality that I've learned in communication is, and, and this is, I guess, true for me, it might be true for others as well, but I'm sort of a verbal processor. So I often think as I speak mm-hmm. and I often need to hear what something sounds like in order for me to clarify my message right. and, and maybe have a have a retake. And I've come to realize even in, in my relationship with Al Ray, I don't always say what I mean the <laughs> first time, neither does she. Mm. And I've I've had many, many moments where I've where I where I jumped on my high horse or <laughs> when I when I got upset when she would say something and I would just interpret it the way it came out. Mm. <laughs> but then the skill of thinking, okay, two parts communication, instead of just jumping on this, maybe mm. let's reflect the message and see if that's what she really meant yeah. when she said that. Mm. Yeah, and, and I like that picture actually of having um, the projection and the and the screen and them working together because one of the things that I like to remember is that a conversation is something to be had with someone, not at them. Like that. And that, that kind of fits well with your Unless image. you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. But hopefully they're engaging as well actively with their brain. But when I keep that idea at the forefront of my mind, then I find that I'm more inclined to make less statements and ask more questions. And mm. statements will often shut down a conversation, whereas questions welcome dialogue. And it's what you were saying. It's it's inviting someone to say, oh, this is what I heard. Is that what you were intending to say? And yep. then you, all of a sudden you've, you've got a conversation rather than, mm. well, you said this or this was, you know, and, yeah, we can just shut things down. And realising is- too that not always everything that is said is what is heard. Oh, totally. <laughs> because there is two people involved in this conversation. And I've found in our relationship um, together being married to Leanne and also chatting with many couples that we have over years of involvement with family life is that generally people come into a relationship who are different in a lot of different aspects and areas, but one of them is communication. You mentioned, Vainant, you're an external processor. Uh, and, and we're very similar to that too. And I know for uh, Leanne, she likes to process things out loud. She talks things out. That's just how she thinks. As for me, I'm quite different. I'm an internal processor. So I tend to process things in my head and they, they sort of rattle around in there for a while before they come out. And I think the biggest thing for us in our relationship over 27 years now, because we struggled initially with that, not understanding how different we were, but coming to that understanding that, okay, that's how Leanne processes things, that's how God made her, that is good. It's not wrong, it's not different, or she's just different from me, and I've been made a different way. So, for example, in the early years of our relationship, I'd often come home from work, and sometimes it takes a while for my brain to switch from work mode to home mode, and Leanne understands this because I've got all these things going through my brain about people that I've talked to, conversations that I've had, problems that we've had to solve. And I've got home and sometimes when our kids were small, they'd be going, Daddy, 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 you know, get, trying to get my attention. True story. Leanne has actually said this on more than one occasion. Um, she's turned to our kids who were small at the time and said, uh, Kids, your father is not home yet. 
<laughs> and they've looked at her and said, but yes, he is. He's right here. We can see him. And she turns to them again and says, yes, but he doesn't know it yet. Just give him some time. And it does, you know, I, I love getting home. I love interacting with my wife and with my kids. But sometimes it just takes a little bit of adjustment because I'm still processing things. It takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So understanding, I think, is huge in terms of this whole communication in our relationship. Well, it's interesting you, you picked up on the, the idea of some people are verbal processes and th- some people actually think after they've spoken. <laughs> That's actually, it can be a bit of a dangerous one and, and I've, I've come to learn that you need to choose wisely. Where is your thinking reflection space mm. and where is the space where you probably need to uh, have thought through your message before sending it? And um, I guess that's the that's the wonderful privilege of marriage, right? We we get to spend our lives together and build trust and create a safe space to communicate. Um, I think one of the goals of communication is 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 probably to get to know myself better and the other person. If if I'm communicating, I'm actually learning something about myself if I'm doing it effectively. Mm. Uh, and if someone else is communicating, I might also be learning something about myself, but more importantly, I'm learning more about them. I've actually uh, pulled up a definition here. So communication, it's the imparting or exchanging of information by speaking, writing, or using some other medium. Okay, so there's that imparting or exchanging of information, which I guess means that if information hasn't been exchanged, then communication didn't occur. Yeah. Mm. I love a quote by George Bernard Shaw. He says, the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> because as we know, you know, nothing is as easy as talking, but sometimes as difficult as communicating. So we think we've communicated a message to someone. We think we've been that projector that's, you know, sent an image their way and we've communicated in a way that to us is clear, but to them it might be totally foggy or out of focus. And or they're thinking from a different perspective than what we are, and so they get a different picture of, you know, what we intended, and so there can be miscommunication, and that's where a lot of, you know, confusion and conflict can take place if we don't have an understanding or continue talking around those things. Yeah, yeah. it's called lost in translation, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> but you know, just on that point too, I think that that's one thing I know for myself that I've had to learn because I'm very much an internal processor. And so Andy might say something or have have communicated something and rather than, and especially in the early years of our marriage, rather than me delve in and ask questions and engage in a deeper conversation, because for me, deep and meaningful are hard work. For Andy, they were energising. And so for me to engage in that, I'd have to put myself in that place. And so sometimes he would say something and I'd think to myself, I would make an assumption in my mind as to what he meant. Mm. And then I would be having a little conversation with myself in my head and go somewhere completely different to what Andy was actually even intending. And so you make that leap something said but actually it's not the truth Mm, yeah what did he actually say rather than what i am assuming about what he is saying and that's where we need to have a conversation yeah it's funny the word jump to conclusion (laughs) (laughs) or the phrase jump to conclusion comes to mind Mm. i was good at that (laughs) jumping to conclusion (laughs) that's the only exercise some people get (laughs) yeah well it's it's uh, we all are really some people think that they were listening when they were merely waiting for their turn to speak oh Mm. yeah Mm. And how often have we been guilty of that? I know I have. 
Yeah. Oh, I think we all have. It's interesting as, as you think about communication, as we talk about that today, we tend to think about the biggest part of communication is talking, talking. Yeah. <laughs> expressing ourselves, you know, sharing stories. And obviously that's important, but a huge part of communication that sometimes we miss, we probably all think that we're better at it than what we actually are. And that's mm. listening. True. Listening is equally important, if not more important mm-hmm. than talking. In fact, um, I love what I think it was David Augsburger said that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they are almost indistinguishable. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. I mean, just the very fact that we stop and pause and maybe give focused attention and listen to our spouse or listen to the person that is talking, that speaks volumes to them that we care for them. Wow. I think we can wrap up the show. That's it from us, folks. Uh, if you want your significant other to feel love, then uh, you need to listen to them. Absolutely. Yeah, and James goes on in, in the Bible to say, um, be slow to speak and quick to listen. But often we can be quick to speak and slow to listen. Yeah. And yet listening is powerful. If you think about it, listening is when we are learning. When we're speaking, we're not learning. Yep. And, you know, I've said it before, I like to think it's important to be a lifelong learner. And so it's, it's encouraged me then to, to listen more because I want to be learning. Well, just looking at you, Nikki, with your headphones on, you've got two speakers on your head and only one <laughs> microphone. <laughs> yeah. exactly. We've got two, two ears. ears and one mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so I think we need to get the ratio right. We do. Uh, God knew what, it, uh, what he had in mind when mm. he created yeah. our biology with... Uh, yeah. Two yeah. ears and one mouth. Can mm. you imagine if that was the other way around? <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul Tornia, he went on to say, be preoccupied with listening. Now, I love that word, yeah, like be that. preoccupied. It's got to be at the forefront of our communication. Yeah. It's got to be our number one goal. And, and then I found in our own life that a wise spouse or a parent listens for not just what is said, but also for what is unsaid. That means picking up on those nonverbal cues. It means picking up on body language, tone of voice, even silence. Well, this sounds like advanced communication (laughs) right there, Nikki. But it it really isn't though, is it? I mean, I guess it is, but the way it plays out in life isn't. I mean, I was just thinking the other day of where I learned this profound principle of just pausing enough to to listen or, or to, to be aware of what is being communicated, even without words. Our son, Ben, was oh, he's probably five at the time. So this was a long time ago, but I've never forgotten it. And in those days, Andy was at home um, in the evenings after family life. He'd be on a dialysis machine every Monday, Wednesday, Friday night. And so Ben would come home and Dad was dialysing or whatever. And... Um, Anyway, I remember this particular evening that Ben came home and was having dinner around the table with me and the, other, and the girls and he turned around to me and he said, Mum, when I grow up, am I going to be like you or am I going to be like Dad? And I was like, oh, buddy, you're going to be like Dad. You know, look, God's made you a, a young boy and boys grow up and, and, and you're going to be a man just like your dad. And he's kind of like, oh, okay, then, and no more conversation. And then later on that night as I was putting him into bed, he said to me, Mum, so when I grow up, I'm definitely going to be like Dad and I'm not going to be like you. And I'm like, yeah, of course you are, Ben. In fact, you're just like your dad, personality and everything. You're just a mini Andy. And he was like, oh, okay. And And again, didn't take it any further. And then about three or four days later, 
I was putting him to bed again and he turned around to me and he said, so mum, if I'm going to be like dad when I grow up and I'm not going to be like you, then tell me, when am I going to go on the kidney machine? Oh. Oh. Yeah, so what he heard and what you yes. were and trying to communicate. Yeah, and so I was I learned then not to just listen to the words, but to actually sometimes listen for what is not said. And mm. I know that especially with children, we need to be attuned into those kind of things because they can't often communicate as to what they really want to know or what's going on. But I learned then don't just deal with the surface, you know. Dig a little deeper, ask some questions. What do you really want to know? Are you worried about something? What's going on for you? And rather than just have those surface conversations mm-hmm. to kind of just delve down a bit more. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, it's good. And this has been extremely helpful for me going into conversation thinking, okay, I'm going to go and serve through listening. Whereas before I would I would be in there giving my ideas, talking, jumping to conclusions. <laughs> but uh, since I've started taking this approach of serving through listening, I'd actually find myself wanting to say something and then just sort of stopping. Sometimes I'd even stop myself mid-sentence. Now, um, it, it's still practice. I'm still developing the skill. I'm definitely not there yet. Um, but I've actually found myself interrupting myself, saying something and saying, what, sorry, I, I interrupted you or is this what you were trying to say? Mm. Or uh, and and I've, I've just st- I'm starting to build that practice into my communication mm. of asking. So I hear you were saying, and then I just repeat the message they were trying to give in my own words. Mm. And that's pretty much like the reflector part of mm-hmm. our projector reflector s- screen. It's just just using the words, just maybe training yourself to practically say, I hear you saying, mm. and then. Just give them the message back. Mm. And and you were talking about feeling connected. This is this is something I think I'm I'm, I'm often asking Alray, you're not listening. <laughs> and and then I'm asking her, well, just 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 repeat back to me what you heard. Because I'd find myself trying to say something and then she'd be upset. And and I couldn't do the maths. Why are you upset at what I'm saying? And then when I asked that question, what are you hearing me say? And she reflected back to me, I realized, oh the message that I gave was not what I was trying to give. And then I had a retry. And then when I rephrased it, it was saying, oh, no, this is what I actually mean. Mm. We were all good. Yeah. And you know what, Ren, to, to actually turn that around is actually powerful. So rather than think to ourselves or say aloud, which we've all done, you're not listening. It's like to then if you can flick it around onto yourself and say, clearly I am not communicating very well, uh-huh. mm. you know, then we're taking responsibility to get this message across. So as you say, if you're saying then, um, so what what, what are you hearing? You, you're you taking responsibility in that way because you're, yep. you're asking them, so how have you heard what I've said? Oh, okay, you said this. I didn't communicate well enough because this is what I meant. Yep. You know, those kind of conversations. And understanding and, and questions, you're right, are a powerful tool because sometimes we can be communicating something to someone and by asking that question like you just said, they might reflect back and you might think, oh, that's not at all what I was saying. What mm. I meant was, and then you can rephrase it and then, oh, okay, now I've got you. Now I'm on the same page. How many arguments, how many breakups, how many heartaches mm. came from that simple fact? Mm. Yeah, Someone interpreting mm. something else 
and then never clearing up that message. Well, that's what we said before. It's that's assuming, isn't it? You're, mm, you're, you're mm. taking an assumption away. On a scale of one to ten, ten being I feel completely connected to my partner and zero being I feel totally disconnected from my partner, where would you rate yourself right now? There's probably room for growth, right? Why not take some time and actively choose to take your relationship to a 10 by learning how to love and relate to one another on a deeper level. Spend one weekend with us and discover the keys to building intimacy, strengthening communication, handling life's pressures, embracing differences, fighting fair and working through conflict constructively and so much more. You'll laugh a lot, you'll rekindle romance, learn new skills and be better equipped to build a relationship that thrives. We can promise you it will be a weekend to remember. You may not reach a 10, but most couples leave on cloud nine. Join us on our next couples retreat. Register today at familylife.nz. We're all familiar with mentoring. It's all about sharing knowledge, skills, and personal experiences to guide another person towards reaching their full potential. It's about investing your time and talents to make a positive difference in the life of another. In a nutshell, it's discipleship at its best. Marriage mentoring is exactly the same, except you're doing it as a couple and you're doing it with a couple. At Family Life, we run an outstanding program to train you to be exceptional marriage mentors. We equip you in the art of asking skillful questions, which then help younger couples grow together and do marriage well. Become a marriage champion for others and register today for our online training at familylife.nz. There's another definition in front of me here on communication. It's called the means of sending or receiving information such as telephone lines or computers. And as I read that, I was just reminded the other day, so in our house, it's got all the cabling in the walls already. So every room has a socket, a socket where you'd plug an internet cable in. And then in the garage where the connection actually comes into the house, there are a bunch of cables. Mm -hmm. Not all of these cables were connected. And so I figured out through some trial and error that these cables actually go to each of the different rooms. And so I was moving my office from one room to the other and as I plugged into the wall, there was no connection. Mm. And so the way I then ended up testing that is I, I got Al Ray on the phone in the room and I went to the garage and I was plugging in and out a few different cables until the computer mm. showed the connection. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we need to give it a go two or three or four times before we actually find that line of communication mm. that works. But the way you know it worked was by seeing there's a connection or seeing the image change or, mm. you know, if it's in the projector, reflector, illustration, you see the movie, mm. you, you see the story being told. Yeah. And I guess I also want to encourage listeners too that struggle with communication because, I mean, we did. When we got married, uh, honestly, I think we were we were hopeless at this. <laughs> um, 
but it's a lifelong. Turns out yeah. there was hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was because honestly, I think yeah, I remember just in the early stages, just kind of almost getting defensive on certain things or not wanting to spend the energy on having deep, meaningful conversations, and I didn't feel like when we had them, I necessarily expressed myself very well. But we were committed to having a strong, deep, meaningful relationship, and so I love that word, committed. Yeah, yeah. we were, mm-hmm. and I knew I had to do better. I, I was a writer, but to actually put it and have those words face to face, I found difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we were committed to working on it, to making our communication excellent. Well, this is probably going to touch on a few holy cows right now, but <laughs> but I'm going to go there. You use the word committed, and, mm-hmm. and, and this is why I think it's so valuable for a couple to commit through the contract of marriage mm-hmm. before actually going down there. Um, I think it's often the commitment that sustains the relationship, whereas there's a lot of couples out there these days, and definitely not to judge anyone, I just think when you check out another person without the commitment of marriage through maybe staying together and seeing how this works for you, but with that check out clause at the back of your mind saying, if this doesn't work, then... Well, we've given it a good try. We want our marriage to last, so we'll check it out to make sure it works. But I think it's actually the commitment of saying, well, we're going to make it work, that will cause you to do the hard work Mm. to go there and say, okay, well, if this is going to work, I think you mentioned it the other day, we don't want to be miserable Mm -hmm. our entire life, so Mm. what skills do we need to learn Mm. to make this work? But if I have that checkout clause in the back of my mind, I might be thinking, well, this is really hard. Is this really what I want for me? Mm. Are we really bringing out the best in each other? And that's probably, like we could have had, had this in our myths conversation last yeah. week. But that's a big lie that we believe. The, you know, the, the right person will mean our relationship just flows. They bring out the best in me. But often bringing out the best in you means you have to do the grinding work of communicating and learning how to listen. And also how easy is it then to say, oh, I have this other person that I connect with at the sports club or at the school board meeting or whatever who I actually can communicate with really well and conversation is easy and yeah, it's not, not the work. because you're not sharing a house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That's right. Um, and so you can, if you, if you haven't got that commitment of marriage, then it's easy to kind of just think, oh, you know, whereas if you've got, if you are committed in a marriage relationship, then that's where you say, well, I'm going to work at it. We're going to make this good. We are going to learn some skills. I'm going to learn some skills on how to do it better. And we need that foundation. And commitment is what can be hard work. And I know the catch cry today um, uh, among a lot of relationships is, are we compatible? Mm. I get together with someone that possibly I can spend the rest of my life with if we're compatible. Well, no two couples are exactly compatible, you know, because we bring differences into a relationship. So working through those differences is part of the beauty of establishing a strong, healthy marriage relationship. Because you imagine if everybody came into marriage that was exactly the same. It'd be boring, it's going to be pretty it? boring. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so we rub those rough edges off and, and we learn more about each other. And it, you're right, it is that commitment to one another that helps us do the hard yards to have a great relationship. None of us started with a great relationship. We all, we've all learned to grow closer together over time. I mean, if you, if you take that to the to the exercise realm, you know, everyone knows exercise is good for the body, mm. but it's not always fun. 
Mm. Right? But if we commit to a certain goal or a certain desired weight or, you know, certain uh, appearance, then we, we do the work to get there. It's the commitment that fuels the activity or the energy to, to, to go there. And, and I think you touched on something there, Steve, because um, marriage is not about being compatible. It's about being known. Mm-hmm. And you can only truly be known and know someone else if you've established this trust relationship. There's things that I'm still learning about Al Ray today, even though we've been married for a while, you, you, you get to know someone deeper and deeper as you go. Mm. But this only occurs if you've worked on your... Communication. Communication. It's <laughs> a biggie. Did you see what I did there? Well, we did. Very <laughs> clever. You landed the plane okay. very well. Okay. <laughs> uh, did, let's talk about that, actually. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, Nikki, landing the plane. Mm. Um, Steve, I remember you and Leanne actually talk about the, the landing the plane communicators at Weekend to Remember. Mm. Just you want to give us a brief snippet there? Sure. Well, there's... Well, there's lots of differences that we bring into yeah. relationship communication as being one of them. But we've found in our relationship and in many others too that we can come from totally different ends of the spectrum in terms of this area of communication. So you have someone who's maybe fast-paced, they just like just the facts, they want to land the plane, you know, get to the bottom line, oh, okay. forget all the details. I don't want to know what colour shirt that person was wearing or, you know, what they said or how you felt about what they said. Just Give me the bottom line. It's sort of just the the two-minute news uh, report bulletin, you know, just the facts. Whereas other people, they might enjoy the ride. Like I want to include those details. Mm. I want to include the emotions. I want to include the feelings that I had when I was having this conversation with this person. Yes, so you've got your land the plane communicators. You land the plane and enjoy enjoy the the ride. ride. And we've talked a little bit about the, um, the, the think out loud as imposed to the, you know, let's take turns or the internal processor. And another story, um, I mean, Leanne is great at, at expressing herself and talking through the things that she's thinking about. But we're having a conversation just recently at the, uh, the, the dinner table and I was saying something and she went to include hers and I said, oh, just, just hold that thought, just let me finish what I'm saying and then I'll come back to you. So I finished what I was saying and then I said, okay, what now what were you going to say? What was that thought? And she goes, ah, uh, Oh, it's gone. It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Because she had the thought that she wanted to share right then, but, you know, because she waited and I'd finished what I was saying, it had gone. So it's good for me to realise that too. Mm. That was one of the things that was a biggie for Andy and I in just the difference in our communication because I was a take turns. You know, there's a way that we do conversation. You Mm -hmm. talk, I listen. I talk, you listen. Whereas Andy would interrupt all the time and I don't, I don't, like using the word all, but he would, if he was here today, he would say, I interrupted all the time. And I would get so frustrated with him. And I'd be like, can you just let me finish a sentence or a thought or whatever? And I took it as an insult in that he just always had something he wanted to to say over what I was trying to communicate. And he, I remember him saying to me, but darling, it's not, I'm not, trying to fix you or I'm not trying to add my two cents worth. He said, I'm just really, really interested and I want to ask another mm-hmm. question. And I'm like, look, I love it that you're interested. I love it that you've got a question. Can you just hold off your questions until I've finished my train of thought? I need you to listen. Right yeah. Now. And so, and he Listening was really good. Care. Yeah. And he was so good at that. And then yeah. I would say to him, so you could see him sitting there kind of waiting for me to listen and I'd pause and then he'd kind of start and I'd go, ah, 
all the way through, honey. Listen <laughs> all the way that. through. <laughs> and, and I picked this up uh, from you actually, Nikki, just the other day. This phrase, listen through. Mm. I'm, I'm quite enthusiastic and passionate when I'm talking to people and I get excited real easily. And, and my way of showing that is by talking with mm-hmm. them. And I've often found that I would want to jump in. And mm. here I was thinking I'm adding to the conversation, but in actual fact, I was making them feel mm-hmm. that I'm not listening, not yeah. valuing what they mm. say. And so I, true. And I'm, I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself, listen through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All this yeah. stuff is life-changing. I, mean, I remember a phone call I had in the office. I was just going several years ago. It was a lady who was calling, wanting to know what our events were coming up, but also ended up having a conversation with her about some of the challenges they were facing in their relationship. She'd come to a point where she couldn't see much hope of them going forward. They just had so many issues and things they were struggling with. And as I was talking to her on the phone, I could tell a lovely lady but this lady liked to talk. <laughs> okay. And so I came back and I said, oh, look, I, I, asked her, I asked her a few questions just to see, you know, where they were. But one of the things I said, hey, can you try something for me? And she said, yeah, absolutely. I want to try anything. So I said, when your husband comes home um, and you've got this list of questions, you know, for him that you just want to ask, you know, how's his day and all this sort of thing, or, or what are we going to do this weekend? Um, instead of expecting an answer from him, because I could sort of tell from their conversation that maybe her husband, and I can understand from our relationship too, that he was an internal processor. Mm. He might not have had all the answers right then. And she had this expectation of him that conversations happen that way. She brings up something, he fires back, you know, it's sort of boom, 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 like a machine gun. Whereas he was thinking, man, I'm overwhelmed. I can't handle it. I've just had a hard day in the office. I've had all these decisions and problems to deal with. And now I come home and she's given me this... <laughs> yeah. You know, a list of things to do. So I said, "Can next time you ask him a question, don't expect an answer maybe right away. Maybe ask him the question and say, hey, can you think about this and maybe let's get together in half an hour or whatever time you think is realistic and let's have a conversation about this. Well, I left her with that. I mean, it, it was nothing huge. I didn't think so. Then she contacted me, ended up coming to an event, but she contacted me probably a week or two later and she said, our relationship is the best it has ever been in our entire married life. Since I stopped talking? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, she just gave her some husband some space to think yeah. and to be in. Because internal processes, it's not that they have nothing to say. Yep. It's just that they often are not given a chance to mm. say what they have to say. And so he was given that chance and he felt appreciated. He felt cared for. He felt respected. And their relationship just went to another level that was just something so simple as yeah. that. Not, not a hard fix. And, and that's no. what I've found. Most relationship issues are actually fairly easy to fix if we are willing to deal with it. Mm. If we are willing to just do a little bit of digging and, and find that root of the issue, mm. it's often not that hard to, uh, to bridge the mm. gap. Yeah. yeah. Very true. As we uh, close up for today, uh, Nikki, maybe share with us what is one principle in communication that you learned that improved how you related to Andy. Okay. Well, actually, it just builds on what Steve had been saying, and that is the difference between external and internal. For me, I was internal, Andy was external. And um, being an internal processor, I would tend to have conversations with myself. So um, something would come up, I would have this little um 
yeah, conversation quietly in my mind, come up with a plan, plan of action, and then I would present it to Andy and he would turn around to me and it would be like, but honey, we haven't even talked about this. And I'd be, yes, we have. We've, we've, we've talked about it days ago where I actually hadn't communicated it with Andy. It was easier to have a conversation in my own head, come to a plan and then present him with it. And that made him feel excluded. So with him being an external communicator, I had to learn that his processing was quite differently. He would come up with an idea about something and he would want to talk it through with me. And I remember when he would come up with these ideas, I'd think, oh my goodness, our life is about to change. He's going to take us off this in this direction or he wants to go over here. He like didn't. Like when he decided to join Family Life. <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> but he wasn't necessarily. He was actually just sharing, this is an idea um, and he was verbally playing that out. And I had to learn rather than pour cold water on that idea by saying, oh, no, that's not going to work. Or what about this? Or, you know, I had to learn to just go, I think it was Andy Stanley who says, rather than just go, well, how is that going to work? He says to encourage wives to say, oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. Words, tell me more. And because for Andy, that didn't mean that we were going to do such and such. It just meant, can I process this externally with you? Great. And that was yeah. a great uh, a game changer for us in our communication. Yeah, I think if, if there's one word that I'd encourage listeners to take away today, we've talked about communication. We've talked about you know, talking, expressing ourselves, obviously that's part of that. We've talked about dirty nappies. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have. We have. Touched Where did that come it. from? That came from somewhere else. But, um, but I think if there's one word to take away from our conversation today, and we've touched on this throughout the broadcast, is understanding. Mm. Because understanding, especially in terms of communication, is huge. Mm. Because often we all make the mistake of when the other person is talking, rather than us listening and understanding what they're trying to say, we're formulating our response in our head. So we're not really listening. But understanding makes a a huge difference. What are they trying to say? You know, what is their heart behind what they're trying to say? They want the best for me. You know, they're not trying to get at me. How can I understand them better? That's good. Mm. And and that actually ties into, you know, sort of my takeaway for today is uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt. So if I start there by saying, hey, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, you want the best for me and for our relationship. So mm. whatever you're saying, if it feels like uh, or if it feels confronting to me, I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask to understand and give you the benefit of the doubt mm. that maybe you said something that you don't really mean. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to ask a clarifying question to see, hey, is this what you really meant? Mm. Mm. And then if it also goes wrong to then turn around and say, honey, that came out wrong. Can I start all over again? <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> nice. Right. So if that all came out wrong, I hope you'll give us the opportunity to try again. Shall we start that again? (laughs) Well, we'll just wrap up for today. Thank you, Steve. Um, So, yeah, just here from the Family Life team, uh, this has been uh, Vainant. Nikki. Steve. And we hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. Check us out at familylife.nz. Have a great day. Bless you. You've been listening to the Family Life New Zealand podcast, where we believe that when people develop their relationship skills, their relationships flourish. If you found this conversation useful and want to help us reach more families, simply rate it, review it, and share it. We'll see you next time.